morning, Wheaton Bible Church. Welcome to worship here in the room. I'm going to ask you to stand with us. Let's get our hearts ready to sing to the Lord. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's sing to him. This Jesus. This Jesus that carried our shame. This Jesus rose from the grave, the same Jesus we worship today, we worship today, came to us with grace and in truth still with us, but still I love you, the same Jesus, he's making us new, he's making us new. Yes, I know that my Redeemer lives, still keeping all His promises. The same Jesus, the same Jesus. He's
church and that is true that is true today that whatever addiction whatever failure whatever sorrow whatever grief is on your heart right now you can lay it down you can lay it down at the feet of Jesus and he promises to bring peace he promises his presence 
He promises his love. Can we do that this morning, church? Can we lay it all down before him? Can we surrender it all in confidence, fully knowing that our God can handle it, that our God can take it, that our God can make something beautiful right now? Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it amazing that when things get difficult and complicated, all he asks of us is to be still, to be still and know that he is God, that he is God over our circumstance, that he is God over everything and that he is with us. Hear these words from Psalm 46. It said, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, nations are in uproar, uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the promise of your presence. We thank you that we can come before you and we can know that you, the Lord Almighty, who is exalted over all, is with us. We thank you, Lord. Amen.
Wheaton Bible, let's sit in that moment just for a second. That he will never let you go. I don't know if we can really fathom that idea that he will never let us go because we're just finite in our understanding. But, but imagine that there is a God that will never let you go. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what you have done, He will never let you go. 
Sit in that moment. Father, Abba, thank you for never letting us go. That regardless of what we bring you, regardless of our frustrations with what's in our life, Regardless of our mess, we can literally crawl up in your lap and you will hold us tight and you will never let us go. For we are enveloped and consumed by your love. I pray for those who may be far from you this morning, whether they're here connecting with us online. Spirit, will you allow them to get just a glimpse of the love of a father, the love of God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Man, I forgot to for to bring me some Kleenexes. Ah. Oh. Well, good morning, Wheaton Bible. It is good to be with you. My name is Josh Laxton. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Wheaton Bible. We're in a series called Love Unfiltered, and we will be closing out that series this morning. But before we kind of dive in, I want to have just a, a giving moment and. To start the giving moment, I want you to help me finish this sentence. For God so the world that he... Let's just stop right there. For God so loved, he gave. Now, if we are a child of the king, that should resonate with us, right? For God so loved, he gave. Why? Because we are recipients of what he has given. He's given us his son. He's given us his best. He's given us the greatest treasure, the greatest gift that the world has ever known. So for God so loved, he gave. So now as believers who live in that love, guess what happens? We give. We give of our time, our talents, and our treasures. And the truth of the matter is we just don't give our leftovers. We, we give God our best. Now, five weeks ago, uh, we had this thing called CareFest. How, how many of you were involved in CareFest? Yeah, all, a lot of you. So thank you again for serving. But I want us to know, and the pastors here, the elders here, we want you to know that well, we just don't care for people. We just don't love people one time a year. It'd be weird, right? Especially if we live in God's eternal love, which we'll look at that here in a second. 
So over the last five weeks, guess what has happened? We have had small groups and believers continuing to care for others. Like I like to call it, especially in the series, I like to call it a love fest. We've had a love fest going on for five weeks, but the truth of the matter is, is we have a love fest going on 52 weeks out of the year. We have had people uh, serve eight different schools over the last five weeks. Uh, We have had a team uh, serve others in helping them care for their property, build a deck, clean out the gutters like I really wish I had a team to help me clean out my gutters this past week they were nasty my wife kept on saying you need to go clean the gutters I'm like ah I've been putting it off and she's like listen you got weeds growing out of the gutters please go clean them and so I would love to have had that team help me clean those gutters but we've had we've had teams helping clean gutters building decks doing other yard work we've had this love fest And so here's what I want to invite you and other pastors want to invite you into is this love fest of serving. Whether it's for service outside our body or whether it's service inside our body, every single one of us, if we are a child of the King, we're called into this eternal love fest. Now, I want you to also know that that serving, that loving is not just giving ourselves into service but it's also and I you know I know what people you know say when we talk about money oh he's going to talk about money again but but here's the thing that I, I want to say is that the reason why we are called to give not only of our talents not only of our time but also of our treasures is because when Jesus saved you when Jesus saved me he actually saved all of me including my wallet I don't carry a wallet anymore but He saved my finances. He's redeemed the way I look at my money, the way I steward my money. And so I had a mentor who has taught me this, that when we give, we make a difference. When we don't give, we make a difference. And so, so Wheaton Bible, let me invite you. And, And first of all, let me celebrate your giving. But let me also invite those of you who are not giving if you would claim John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, that I've believed in him, then here's what I'm going to invite you into, giving. So will you pray with me? Father, I pray that as the people of God, we would reflect you in our giving. For that we so love the world, that we so love you, we give. For it's in your name we pray, amen. I'm already making a mess up here. So you're probably wondering what this guy's doing up here. So let me just say, because sometimes, you know, people give me a hard time. Oh, you're the guy who brings the Rubik's Cube. You're the guy who brings the board games, because I do that at TVC. You're always bringing an object. Well, yes, I'm bringing an object if it fits. So it actually fits to bring a mannequin with me. Now, I've named him Manny Quinn. Ba-dum-tsh. All right, yeah. So, so this is Manny. Everybody say, hi, Manny. Hi, hi Manny. So, so I, the reason why I bring objects, if they fit, is because we're visual people, right? Like, we like watching things. We like seeing things. Like, for me, I'm a visual learner. Like, I do not like reading the directions. I YouTube the directions because I want to see the guy. Like, most of those directions, you don't even, you can't even understand anyways. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I knew a couple of those laughs. Yeah, you know, but if you YouTube it, you're like, ah, that's what that is. So, so that's why I brought Manny Quinn with me today, because I want to demonstrate as we close this series what Paul is getting at in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I love 1 Corinthians 13 because I get to say it's the Louvre chapter. I always say that, you know, just because, like, it just sounds, it just sounds good when you say the Louvre. Everybody try that, the Louvre chapter. Yeah, the little, yeah. I did that a couple of weeks ago when, when I was uh, talking, and you you guys kind of went along with it. So thank you so much for uh, enduring that. We, we've been looking at 1 Corinthians 13, which is sandwiched between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. You're like, you, you know how to count. Yes, I do. Thank you very much. I'm from Tennessee. It took a while. <laughs> and, and so what Paul has done is that he's been talking about spiritual gifts, and, and how the Corinthians uh, need to look at their spiritual gifts. But then he pauses in 1 Corinthians 13, and it's like he interrupts his, his thought process about spiritual gifts, and he's like, I need to tell you something even more important than spiritual gifts, and that is love. That, that, that's what he's talking about. So he's interrupted his teaching on spiritual gifts and says, hey, let me tell you something even more important than spiritual gifts, and that is love. And love is going to be everything for the Apostle Paul. It's going to be everything for believers. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever seen the commercial for Flex Tape? Raise your hand. Flex Tape. Have you seen this, have you seen this commercial right up here? We're going to play it. Where, where he just slapped, like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Here's what Flex Tape is used for. Flex Tape can patch holes it can bond things that tear, it can seal leaks, and it can repair that which is torn. If you think about it, flex tape is to the 21st century what duct tape was to the 20th century. <laughs> we, we just do things better in the 21st century, don't we? And so that's what flex tape is. It's now being used in the 21st century, and it's doing things like patching a leaky roof. Like now, now here, here's the thing that I, I don't really realize is that, is that really what you want to do to your roof? Like I'm, I'm called the roof man. And, and if he brings flex tape with him, we'll call somebody else. But that's what they say about flex tape. It, it, it helps stop leaky pool, pools. Like if you have a tear in your pool, your above ground pool, man, you just slap some flex tape on it, get back swimming. That's all you got to do. So, some leaky pipes, you got some leaky pipes? I know I got some leaky pipes. Man, just, man, just put some flex tape on it. Stop those leaks in a second. <laughs> here's, here's a funny one. If you just feel like sawing your boat in half. <laughs> man, you use you, you some flex tape on that sucker and boom, you back, you back fishing. I don't know why you would want to sew your boat in half, but neither here nor there. Here's, here's, my, here's my favorite one. Car bumpers. Like if you have, a, if you're getting a little fender bender, man, don't take it to the auto shop. Flex tape that junk. <laughs> so, man, you put some, you'd be riding around town, flex taping. Woo, this is awesome. Look at that. Now you say, Josh, why in the world are you talking about flex tape and all that? Well, think about it. Flex tape is a bonding agent. It's a mending agent. It makes products whole again. But where things have been torn, man, flex tape mends the tear. If two, if one object becomes two, man, flex tape makes it one again. 
And here's the reason why I'm sharing that with us today. I want us to imagine that agape love is the flex tape of relationships. Agape love is the flex tape of relationships. See, see you and I know, we, we, we know that in our relationships, we can have conflict. In our relationships, we can have tension. In our relationship, we can have division, just like the body there in Corinth. They had conflict. They had tension. They had tears. They had division in their body. And so Paul's going to interrupt his message and saying, hey guys, you need to flex tape. You need to agape those relationships. So what I have done is I have brought hearts with me and I got a lot of hearts to put up on Manny Quinn this morning because I want to teach in this object lesson that our life should be covered in God's love and see what Paul has done in these verses that we have looked at prior is that he has given 11 descriptions of what love is and what love isn't. He started with that love is patient. So when you think to yourself in these moments in your life where you want to be impatient and you want to give someone a piece of your mind, man, you're going to agape that thought. You're going to agape it. When you have this feeling or this temptation of being unkind, uh, that, you know what, I, I'm just tired of this person, and so, you know what, I'm just going to put them in their place. Man, you're going to think, man, I, I got to be kind. I got to be kind. Love is not only patient, but love is kind. And then we also think about this idea that love is not envious. You know what, I'm not going to look at, I'm not going to look at others and be resentful for what they have. Right, I'm going I'm to agape that. I'm going to be grateful for what God has given me. I'm not going to look at somebody else and go, I want that, and then start resenting them for what they have. Also, love is not boastful. Like, you don't sit there and go, man, look at who I am. Look at what I'm riding up in. Look at my gifts set. Look at my skill set. Like, you know, love is not boastful. And then we think about it this way, that love is not self-seeking. I'm not out. I'm not, I'm not out to get glory. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about he and we, not me. And so every time I want to make it about me, I'm going to agape that. Well, no, 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 no. I'm going to flex agape that. Well, karate chop it. <laughs> also, whenever you think about being tempted to delight in evil, I mean, you're, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I want that promotion. And so, man, I, I'm, I'm delightful that they failed and that they got terminated. Because No, 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 that, 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 that's not love. So you, you don't need to delight in evil. Bad things happening to other people. Uh, another way uh, we delight in evil is by not confronting sin. So we're, we're going we're gonna to confront sin in a loving way. Because if we do not confront sin, then what we are inevitably doing is condoning sin. And therefore delighting in it. So we're not going to do that. We're going to agape that. And so we're going to agape our entire life. See, and that's what Paul is getting at. 
You see Manny Quinn now? He's covered with the love, the agape of God. Now, we're not done. I still have a lot of hearts up because we still have some text in 1 Corinthians 13 that we got to cover. So if you're ready for the main point this morning, go ahead and say you're ready. Here we go. Main point for this morning, the power of love towards one another reveals the out of this world love of God. The power of agape love towards one another reveals the out of this world love of God. Let me just say it. This is not of the world. This kind of love is not of this world. This love can only come from God. And so the power of this love reveals to others, reveals to the world, the out of this world love of God. And we're going to look at three things specifically this morning. So here's where we're going, this is the direction. Agape love reveals the constancy of God's love. Agape love reveals the perpetuity, I love that word perpetuity, of God's love. And agape love reveals the greatness of God's love. So with that, will you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word? We're honoring the word of the king. And here's what the king writes through the hand of the apostle Paul. Love never what? fails but where there are prophecies they will cease where there are tongues they will be stilled where there is knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and prophesy in part but when completeness comes what is in part disappears when I was a child I talked like a child I thought like a child I reasoned like a child but when I became a man I put the ways of childhood behind me for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Who is he seeing face to face? Jesus. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and what? But the greatest of these is love. Father, pray that we honor you this morning. Spirit, will you go to work moving? And will you use this time uh, through the preaching of your word to shape and mold us more into the image of Jesus, more into new creation. For those who are far from you that don't know you, Spirit, will you begin to draw them to the very love of God in Christ Jesus and make them a new creation today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the first point we want to cover this morning is that agape love reveals the constancy of God's love. Like I said, the first 11 things that Paul mentions about love, he says what love is and then what love isn't. Now he's going to turn it just a tad, and then he's going to start talking about the trustworthiness, the pattern or the consistency of God's love. And he basically uses the adverb always, love always. Now, I don't know if you paid attention in English class. I don't think I started paying attention to English until about 10 years ago. So uh, I had a lot of catching up to do. I didn't know what always was, but always is an adverb. Adverb, they modify adjectives, verbs, and other adverbs. 
here always modifies love, love always. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with always. Do you know why I have a love-hate relationship with always? Because my wife uses that word always a lot. Now, women, I don't know if you do this, but, but men, maybe you can help me out. My wife will sometimes say the following. You always forget to take out the trash. No, no, I don't always forget to take out the trash. Yes, this week I forgot to take out the trash. Last week I forgot to take out the trash. But back in January, I took out the trash. And then she'll say things like, you always forget to take the, 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 the dishes out of the dishwasher. No, 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 I don't always forget. I just wanted to see if you could do it this time. <laughs> then she'll say, you always hog the bathroom. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't always. It's just when that one little hair just won't cooperate. It's only when that happens that I hog the bathroom. Like, it's not always. Because always, it means like constantly. It's, it's on every occasion. It's perpetually. It's continually. That's what Paul's saying. Love always. Now, what does love always do? Well, First of all, love always protects. Love always bears. Love always supports. Love always covers. Love always shields. shields. And so if you think about it, love always stands in the gap. Man, maybe, maybe you have a, a, a family situation, family drama, and, and, and two of your siblings aren't seeing eye to eye. Love stands in the gap. Maybe there's somebody at work and, man, uh, one more mistake, one more mistake, and they are done. And, and so you see this one mistake that they do. It really is an honest mistake, but, but you know if, if the boss finds out, then they're gone, they're done, they're terminated. Love takes the shot. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to take the arrow. I'm going to share some of the blame. Uh, love always forgives. Why? Because forgiveness protects the relationship, right? That's what forgiveness does. It protects the relationship. Love sounds the warning. Man, you, you see somebody, you see somebody in your small group, man, they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're flirting with fire. They're playing with fire. And so love goes to them. I'm going to sound the warning. Hey, I love you too much to see you like this. So Paul says, love always protects but then he also says, love always trusts. Love always believes. Love always has faith. Love always has confidence in. You might be sitting there saying, well, you know, isn't that naivete or isn't that being gullible? No, love isn't naive. Love isn't gullible. But here's what love doesn't do. Love doesn't cast judgment. Love does not profile. You might be at a light and you might be you might be at this light and there's somebody at the street corner with a sign and immediately you want to cast judgment immediately you want to profile but here's what love love believes the best somebody comes into the church and they're not wearing what you would wear they don't sound the way you sound so you don't profile you don't judge you don't cast them out because love always trusts it believes believes the best, it sees the potential, it gives people the benefit of the doubt. Love trusts God's work in other people's lives. 
And then we see that love always hopes. It expects the best. It anticipates and looks forward to. It longs for wrongs to be made right. Guess what love does? I'm going to put it right here. Love prays for others. And love actually tells others, I'm praying for you. Because what is prayer? For other people, it's, it's asking God to move. It's expecting God to move. It's longing for something to happen. Love, you know, love also, it patiently waits in hope. It longs for redemption. And so you put, you cast your mind to the hope of what God is doing in someone's life. It believes the best is yet to come. And then love always perseveres. I love this. Love remains through the thick and thin. Uh, for those of you who are married, we said at our wedding, until death do us what? So as long as we have breath, we will love. We will put up with faults. We will put up with failures. And guess what love does? It gives chance after chance after chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. Why? Because God gave us chance after chance after chance after chance. Love always perseveres. It endures. It remains. See, what Paul wants believers to do here regarding loving others is somewhat similar to what he prays for believers in Ephesians. In Ephesians 3, Paul prays that they would be rooted and grounded in love and that they may have power together with all of the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses all understanding. And so it's so interesting that in Ephesians, Paul wants them to get a glimpse and to grasp Jesus's love for them. Why? Because if we can grasp Jesus's love for us, uh, how high it is, how deep it is, how long and how wide it is, then we can become that type of person, not only in our community, but to the world. If you think about Jesus's love, Jesus's love always protects. He took the wrath of God. He covered our sins with his blood. He forgives. He gives the spirit for our good, for our discernment, for our wisdom. He trusts always. He believed that we were worth saving. He knew he would get hurt time and time and time again, but love, his love believes. He trusts God's work in the world and in our life. He, his love hopes always. He died with the hope that we might be saved. He prays for us. He intercedes for us while he is making all things new. Jesus's love endures always. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He sticks closer than a brother. He walks with us through the darkness of night, through the shadow of death. He, he Think about it this way. When we fail, he loves. When we fail, he loves. When we fail, he loves. Over and over over and over and over again. And so if we can just grasp the love of Jesus, then we can start demonstrating the love of Jesus. It's the constancy of God's love. But the second thing that Paul teaches us here 
is that agape love reveals the perpetuity of God's love. Everybody say perpetuity. I love it. Say it one more time. Perpetuity. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I use that word here in a second. But Paul, he says, love never fails. Now, this statement acts as like a hinge to verses 4 through 7 and then verses 8 through 13. That's why many scholars think that he uses the word for fail intentionally. So while love always positively protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres, Paul wants the Corinthian believers to also know that love never fails, love never falls, love never loses, love never is defeated, love never runs dry, love never runs out, love never gives up, love never gives out, love never ceases, love never is finished, love never finishes, love doesn't have a shelf life, and love never ceases. That's what Paul wants the Corinthians to know. But on the other hand, there are some things that cease. There are some things that have a shelf life. And what are those things? Well, I'm so glad that you asked that this morning. Here are those three things. Prophecies, tongues, and knowledge. It just so happens that these three things the Corinthians loved. They loved their prophecies. They loved their tongues. They loved their knowledge. They prided themselves. Look, look at just how spiritual I am. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can, you know, prophesy with the best of them. I'm like, I'm like John the Baptist. I'm like Elijah. I mean, so, I mean, they were just touting their prophecies. Uh, look at my tongues. I mean, look, look, look how eloquent they are. Look at me. I stand up every single Sunday and I give a word. I'm so knowledgeable. I'm so wise. I mean, like they loved those things. But then Paul writes this. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. They will stop. But where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Paul's like, hey, these gifts, they're great. And you ought to leverage them for the glory of God and the edification of the body. But they're just temporary they're just temporal. They're, they're not eternal. They have a shelf life. So therefore, they're not the most important thing in the body. But what does go on, what is eternal, is God's love. Now, like I said, I've intentionally used the word perpetuity to describe the ongoing nature of love. I could have used the permanence of God's love, the duration of God's love, but I wanted to use the word perpetuity, and here's why. I like watching Shark Tank. Anybody out there like watching Shark Tank? Yeah, a few of you love that, love that show. Well, there are, there are times where Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, will make a deal with one of those seeking invest, an investment. And he will make a royalty deal with them. And he will say things like, every time one of these products are sold, I want a dollar. Or I want two dollars. And then he will use the word in perpetuity. So every time there is an exchange and you sell that product, I want 
two bucks. And so as long as you're in business, as long as this product continues to sell, I will continue to get my $2 for this product in perpetuity. And so I think this concept really gets at the heart of what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. Every time you give a word of prophecy, every time you speak a tongue, every time you leverage the gift of knowledge, you need to do it in perpetuity of God's love. Because if you prophesy without God's love, you are just a noisy, clanging symbol. If you speak in tongues, you gain nothing. If you have knowledge that waxes eloquently, but you don't do it in love, you are nothing. It's love. So every time you exchange or you exercise a a spiritual gift, you are doing so in God's love. So think about it this way. Every time I stand up here or Pastor Rob stands up here, every time Pastor Hannibal stands up here, whoever stands up here and teaches, we do so in the love of God. As I prepare this message, I am doing so in the love of God. I'm constantly asking the Spirit to give me wisdom and knowledge to impart to you, not so that you can go, man, that was a great word from Josh. No, that was a great word from God. Why? Because I'm doing it in love. I'm not doing it because, you know, I want you, to, I want you to look at me and go, man, that Southerner, man, he really knows how to preach. No, I don't want that. So what I'm getting, that's not what I'm going for. Every time, every time you get together with your small group and you're teaching the Bible, and you're sharpening one another, you're doing so in love, you're teaching, you're exhorting, you're encouraging out of love. Not so that people can see how smart you are, how many Bible verses that you can know. No, you want them to know how much they love you. Now, same thing with knowledge, is that every time you impart a word of knowledge, I'm I'm running out of places to put. Every time you impart wisdom, discernment you are doing so in love look at Manny he's covered with love not just any love but agape love and see I want us to understand this principle and this is the principle I think Paul was really trying to get at with Corinthians Spiritual gifts exercised in an environment without love establish an empty religion. But spiritual gifts exercised in an environment with love establish heaven on earth. You you see, like you said, these spiritual gifts, they have a shelf life, but it's God's love that extends out into eternity. And so what Paul is wanting us to do today here in the 21st century is everything that we do should be bathed in God's love because one of these days we will see Jesus face to face. Could you imagine that day when we look into the eyes of love? We get to feel the hands. We get to see the hands and feet of love. And then we get to converse with love. And then we understand as, as we are fully known by him. I mean, unbelievable. And so if that's what will be, then are we doing that now? The perpetuity of God's love. You see, this is where the Corinthians struggled. They prided themselves. You could say it this way. They served for show. 
They serve for show. Look at me. I don't think we have, I don't think we have that struggle today in the 21st century in, in churches, in, particularly in America. Do, do you know the problem, the struggle I think we have is that we sit for a show. See, the Corinthians, they, they loved for, for a show. They, they loved to demonstrate how good and how great they were. They loved to show. But we love to sit for a show. And see, for us, here's the thing about how God's love changes us, is that it moves us from wanting to, to put on a show or to sit for a show and to get involved in showing and sharing the love of God. You see, the gifts are subservient to love. Gifts are temporal. Love is eternal in perpetuity. Everything that we do should be in love because at the very end, it will just be love. Which leads me to number three. Agape love reveals the greatness of God's love. Agape love reveals the greatness of God's love. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and what? Love. But the greatest of these is? Love. Now, Paul, he's drawing this section to a close. And it's so interesting because he's basically saying these are the three most important things of the Christian faith. Faith, hope, and love. And then he doesn't just leave it there. I mean, I would have liked Paul maybe just say, hey, just leave it right there. That's great. Faith, hope, love, and move on. But no, he wants to say, hey, the greatest of these, the one that trumps all others is love. Now that's fascinating. Why is that so fascinating? Because think about faith. Paul will write in Ephesians, by faith you have been saved. So without faith we can't even be saved. But he's saying love's more important than faith. And then we understand that faith moves mountains. Jesus told us that faith can move the mountains. Even Paul refers to that in 1 Corinthians 13 earlier on. So faith is powerful. Faith is important. Hope Hope sustains us. It gives us faith to persevere as we look forward in great anticipation. Hope emboldens. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, we have such a hope and therefore we are very bold. Hope keeps our eyes on the prize, what's coming. And so it guides us so that we don't veer to the right or to the left. I mean, hope is powerful. But Paul says love is greater than both. So I want to take a stab, if you will let me, at why I think he says this. Here's why I think Paul says that the greatest of these is love. I think the simple answer actually is found in 1 John 4, 16, where John writes, God is what? Love. So in other words, love is part of the character, identity, and nature of who he is. See, God isn't hope. God isn't faith. But God is love. Think about it. Faith and hope are born out of love. See, it's in love that God pursued us. It's in love that God sent his son. It's in love that his son sacrificed for us. It's in love that Jesus died for us. It's in love that Jesus was raised for us. It's in love that Jesus forgives us. It's in love that we are adopted. It's in love that we are cleansed. It's in love that one day he will seat us in the heavenly realm with him. 
It's in love that Jesus is making all things new. It's in love that Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes. It's in love that one day our faith will be complete. It's in love one day our hope will be complete. It's in love that we will bask and dwell forever in eternity in that love. Why? Because God's love is better than life. So it's love. And so because God is love and God has shown us love, think about this, come come in for this principle. Love is the presence of God acting in our midst. When you love, you literally are the presence of God showing up, acting in your midst. See, the church that loves like God will be the church where God is at work. Say that again. The church that loves like God will be the church and where God is at work. So let me conclude this series and message with the following three takeaways. They're very brief, but I want to I put a bow on this series. We'll tie it up nice and neat. Takeaway number one. Love is one of the most significant signs that you have received and been transformed by the love of Jesus. Love is one of the most significant signs that you have received and been transformed by the love of Jesus. Let me, let me ask you this. I'll, I'll put it this way. Hey, I just noticed it. Manny Quinn. Look at that. That's pretty cool. It says they're right here on the stage. How many stickers do you have in your life? Because here's how you can tell if you've been transformed by the love of Jesus that you're going to love like him. See, when it comes to the Christian life, Yes, we want, to come, we, we, we want to come and be with the church. Yes, we want to read our Bible. Yes, we want to pray. But if you really want a report card, as Bob Goff says about, you know, where you are in your faith, just look at how you love. That will tell you volumes on where your faith is at. This is what John writes in 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not Love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. It's one of the most significant signs that you have been transformed by Jesus. The second takeaway is that love is the bonding agent in the building up of the body through spiritual gifts. And I've wanted to stress that over and over and over and over again. Is that it's God's love that bonds us together and binds us together. Now, imagine there's two mannequins. One has all of these hearts, and one doesn't have any hearts. Let me ask you this. Which church would you want to go to? You want to go to that one. Why? Because you you know it's a loving church. You, You know it's a supporting church. You know that it's a protective church. You know that they are a loving church. And so Paul wants to make sure that they are building up the body in love. Imagine a church full of Manny Quins. And then the third takeaway is this. Love is the greatest apologetic tool we have that gives witness to the world about the person of Jesus. Church, you, you, you know the kind of world that we live in. I mean, it, it's always been dark. 
And we're living in a world where it is exposing, it is exposing the, the vitriol and the hatredness of people marred in sin. Cancel culture is a good example of that. We are now living in such a culture where we are afraid to say anything, afraid to share our opinion. Why? Because we are afraid of being ridiculed. We are afraid of being canceled. We are afraid of being pointed out for our erroneous opinions. But could you imagine a community of people transformed by the blood and the love of Jesus? The world needs this love. We don't cancel people. We don't cast judgment on people. We love them, opinions and all. Now, that doesn't mean that we affirm sin, but means that we have hospitality and we are welcoming to the sinner. We want to be a loving congregation. That's what we want to do. We want to demonstrate the embracing kingdom of God that's full of love. In light of this series, here's the definition of love. Let me give it to you. Love is giving yourself to the glory of God and the good of others. It's giving yourself to the glory of God and the good of others. Is that how you're loving? You're giving yourself, you're emptying yourself for the glory of God and the good of others. When you do that, you reveal the out-of-this-world love of God. Let's pray. Father, may we be loving. That's what we want. Because Jesus has changed us, he's transformed us by his love, we want to be loving. So, Spirit, we know that we cannot love on our own. We cannot love like God on our own. It's not like we can sit around mustering up enough strength and mustering up enough courage to love like this. Spirit, we need you. We need you to fill us and dwell us, empower us to love like this. To love always. To love in perpetuity to expose the greatness of this kind of love. That's what we need. And so that's what we're asking for. Is that not only will we receive that love, but we would give that love. For it's in your name we pray, our King. Amen. Amen, church. Let's stand together as we respond to the truth that we just heard, to the love of our God.
things have passed away, but your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. You cause your sun to shine on darkest night. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Oh, say, the hopeless have found their hope. The Church, this is our prayer today. We sing 
Hey, Allie, can, can we just use our voices and just sing that last, last phrase? Jesus, we love you. Will you lead us in that? Yeah. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we pray that you being rooted and established in agape, in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide how long how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge why? so that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, that's what we want, Wheaton Bible, that's what we're praying for, that God does far more abundantly, immeasurably more than what we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. What power is that? The power of love. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Church, you are sent in the power of love to be salt, to be light, to be the very presence of Christ in this world. Church, you are sent.